John chapter 15, uh, verses 1 to 17. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You're already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. So, we're looking at um, John 15, verses 1 to 17. Um, I don't know about you, but I expect you can imagine I was a very good child at school. Um, I don't know, you know, sometimes you probably never had this, but I would sit in a lesson um, being taught a subject and simply not getting it. Trying to process what's being taught, but feeling confused and bemused about what's being said. And when I started to look at this reading, I was thinking, God, those poor disciples. How do they process everything that they've been going through? Um, it must have been, it just must have been mind-blowing. But, you know, the word disciple roughly translates from the Greek as learner. And this is what the followers of Jesus were. They were learning from Jesus throughout their time with him. And in the lead up to chapter 15, we read that the group had just enjoyed a meal together 
in the upper room of a building where they'd been told some disturbing things by Jesus. He'd stated that somebody was going to betray him and that he was going away and that they knew where he was going. And then poor Thomas, actually I really admire Thomas because he spoke what he felt. He says, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus answers, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So then Philip says, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. They just seem so bewildered and rattled at the conversations. And then Jesus comforts them with the promise of the Holy Spirit. He tells them that the Holy Spirit will teach them and will give them peace. Do you need peace this morning? Jesus is the Prince of Peace. His Holy Spirit is here. He's with each one of us here and anyone watching. And he can bring his peace this morning. All we need to do is come to him. He says, come. Perhaps there's something you're grappling with in your own walk with Jesus and you can't get your head around it. The Holy Spirit will teach you, either through the Bible, as you spend time reading it, or through another follower of Jesus. All we need to do is ask. That's what I love about the disciples. They're totally honest with, with Jesus. And we can be honest. We need to be honest. You can't fluff anything with Jesus because he sees our hearts anyway. Anyway, we're now going to move to chapter 15. So we've got a bit of the background. And Jesus is now walking towards Gethsemane which was a garden at the foot of the Mount of Olives in Jerusalem, and his disciples are with him. So they've left the comfort and security of the upper room where they'd shared their last meal together and where Jesus had told them of his impending death. Uh, they were familiar with vineyards and of seeing vines growing in the warmth of the sun. And so Jesus used this as a picture to help the disciples understand the importance of abiding on the vine. He would have known how utterly confused and sad they must have been feeling, and he wanted them to know that even though physically he would no longer be with them, he would still feed and nourish them spiritually as they stayed connected to him. He says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch that bears no fruit, while every branch that bears fruit he prunes so that it will bear more fruit. Then he tells of the importance of remaining in him, and he will remain in them. My husband, Humph, as I've mentioned before, is a brilliant gardener. But I stand here as a complete non-gardener. I've told you before about my hoeing up all Hump's precious carrots, thinking they were grass. Um, but the thing about Hump is that he cares deeply and passionately for his plants. 
And as do most keen gardeners, he also knows what the plants need in order to grow. And at our last house, we had a vine. And Hump would spend hours, and I mean hours, pruning, cutting, and training the vine to get as much fruit as he could. Isn't that what our Heavenly Father does with us? Pruning can be likened to discipline. And again, from the Greek, this roughly translates as training. So are we learning through our trials? One of the things we can learn going through harsh trials is how constant and faithful God is. And even if we don't see that when we're going through things, sometimes, often, we can look back and see how God has used it. And maybe some of you feel you're going through a hard, barren time. It's as though everything's been stripped away. And you begin to question whether you'll ever recover and get back to the days when you felt fruitful in God's service. But, however God is pruning or cutting us back in our lives, it's for good. Um, Mike's talk, in Mike's talk last week, he touched on the verse from Romans 8, 28. In all things, not some, in all things, God works for the good of those who love him according to his purpose. On that last Sunday, I'd been having a poor pity party for myself. And um, when Mike spoke on that, touched on that, I just thought, yeah, God is working everything together. He's sovereign. He reigns on high. He watches over us. He cares for us. He provides for us. He loves us. So he's got to be working something good from this. In chapter 12 of Hebrews, we read, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who've been trained by it. Sometimes as a Christian, one can feel as though everything stopped growing in a particular ministry, but it's often just that pruning process. And we feel as though God's disciplining us, but however he disciplines us, or prunes us, or cuts us back, it's for our good. He knows perfectly the things that need to be stripped away. Sometimes we can hold on too tightly to things, whether it be ministries, people, friends, family, we can trust him for each and everything he removes because he knows what's best for us and for them. So it's only as we remain and abide in Jesus that we can bear fruit. We need to let his words remain in our hearts and minds so that our reactions and thoughts shape and form us in his likeness. In verse 8, Jesus is saying that it's to his Father's glory that we bear fruit, showing ourselves to be his disciples. And as I said earlier, the word disciple is learner, so that includes us as we follow him and learn from him. What fruit are we showing? In Galatians 5, we read that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, 
peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It's good to mull those things over. Um, and, of course, it's the Holy Spirit who reveals to us the fruit that perhaps isn't growing quite as well as the other fruits. Um, and we need to allow him to change us and to bring that fruit to maturity. And that takes time. But as we abide in Jesus, as we remain in Jesus, he will bring what's needed to encourage ripe, sweet fruit that's showing us to be followers of him. Many years ago, I lived and worked in a village that had a policeman called Dave. He used to ride around the village at night. And my husband, Hump, was nearly tipped into a ditch once as this black cape character shot on his bike down the road. But one day, Dave noticed that I was wearing a fish. And he was thrilled to be able to share that he had become a Christian. He then told me how he had put his trust in Jesus, and this is how it happened. There'd been a burglary in a large house in the village, and Dave had gone to investigate, and he knew the lady who lived there. Many articles had been stolen, but the thing that struck Dave from this was that this woman seemed to be so peaceful and forgiving to what had happened. You can imagine that must have had a huge impact on him. Why am I telling this story? It turned out that this woman was a Christian and the fruit that this woman was showing was peace. And subsequently, it brought glory to God in a life being saved. Wouldn't that be thrilling if that was you or me? In Philippians 4, verse 7, Paul writes that God's peace will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. But we need to allow what is needed to come from calling out for help from him. Because real peace comes from the Prince of Peace, Jesus. And I believe that this woman was tapping into God's peace at that difficult, traumatic time. Now, I was thinking as I was putting this together, one of the good things when you're asked to speak in a church is it teaches and challenges the person that's speaking. So I've been considering what fruit am I bearing? Some I can sense growth in, but others I know I have to abide and absorb the right nutrients from Jesus in order to grow more. It's useful to sometimes ask oneself prayerfully, am I loving and I fall short many times. How is my joy? Is peace reigning in my heart? Am I patient and kind? Can people see the fruit of goodness, faithfulness, gentleness? Am I self-controlled? And what areas do I need to be more self-controlled? Champagne comes to mind. 
Now, I'm not encouraging condemnation because we know that there is no condemnation in Jesus. But the Holy Spirit will convict us in the areas where the fruit isn't growing too well. Conviction draws us to God. Condemnation pulls us away. So it comes down to remaining in him. In 1 John 3, it says, If our hearts do not condemn us, we had confidence before God and receive from him anything we ask because we obey his commands and do what pleases him. And this is the command, to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. Those who obey his commands live in him and he in them. And this is how we know he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he gave us. So it's a continual circle. God the Father has given Jesus who sustains our spiritual life and he has given us his spirit so that we can serve him and produce fruit, not only in ourselves, but the fruit of leading others to know him. But all this is only because we remain and abide in him. It's his love that flows through us to others and to each other. We then end with, in that reading with the bit um, of Jesus speaking to his disciples towards the end. He says, you didn't chose me, choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. He chose us from where we were, not bearing fruit. He's called us to bear fruit. Do we know in our knower that we're chosen and dearly loved? If we do, that should change the way we view others. As we remain in God's love, we have to love others. The passage we've been looking at ends with a command. It's not wishy-washy. It's a command. Love each other. Love is not a feeling. It's a choice. To love each other means laying down any grievance we might have against each other. Any grievance. How can anyone say sorry to something if they don't know they've done it? We need to be honest with each other. So I close this with a challenge. Are you, am I, bearing fruit that will last? Are you, am I, abiding on the vine? drawing on the vine for the nourishment that we need to live as followers of Jesus? Are we being a light to others who are frightened and anxious? I pray that we are. Amen.